Welcome to the Tech Policy Podcast. I'm Ashkan Kazarian. On today's show, we're going to talk about the Telephone Consumer Protection Act of 1991 and um, all the ramifications that are happening with it today. Uh, joining me, I have Jim Dunstan, General Counsel uh, for Off Tech Freedom. Jim, thank you for joining me. Great to be back. And uh, the first time on the show, Charlie Kennedy, Adjunct Fellow um, at Tech Freedom. Charlie, we're really excited to have you here. Great. Good to be here. So guys, uh, TCPA was passed the year I was born, so I know very little about it, even though I had 27 years to figure it out. Why is it crucial for us to know what it is? Well, the TCPA is what Congress came up with to try to regulate what was a a really kind of dire problem uh, circa 1991, which is that uh, telemarketers had discovered dialing technologies that could actually generate numbers randomly or in sequence. And what that means is that you can put an algorithm into a device, and the algorithm just knows what the format of the numbering plan is, the 10-number format. It knows what the area codes are. It knows what the central office codes are. So it just starts cranking out numbers randomly or in sequence. It's a very simple algorithm. And what the FCC, excuse me, what what Congress was concerned about was that when you do that, you pick up uh, 911 numbers, you pick up uh, numbers of hospitals, you pick up the, the police department and so forth. So they wrote a statute that did a number of things to regulate telemarketing. Uh, the uh, so-called uh, auto dialer provision is only one of them. But it said, if you're going to call certain numbers, you can't use one of these random or sequential number generators. And this has been interpreted by the FCC far beyond its original intention. And it's reached the point as the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals decided in March of this year that the FCC is is threatening the ability of an ordinary smartphone user, for example, to call a group of friends with an auto-dialer function, that sort of thing. So it is time now to, as the D.C. Circuit said, to rein in the FCC's overbroad interpretation of uh, the TCPA auto-dialer provision, and that's the process that we're in now at before the commission. So it's the automatic telephone dialing systems uh, process, right? And am I understanding this right, that the intention was to fight robocalls? Is is that what people in Yeah, as Charlie explained, call it? the te- technology was developed to allow just telemarketers just randomly dial up people. And in the process, you sweep in a lot of people who shouldn't be called, like hospitals and 911 systems and, and things like that. And so this was you know, one of the provisions. Um, there are a bunch of others that, that uh, the federal government has done to stop robocalls and, and you know, the do not call lists that are out there, which probably everybody listening to this podcast is, is on at least one of their numbers. Um, and it, also, we have the FTC that has jurisdiction to go after people who are to go after the true scam artists, and so, the, and they're very aggressive in going after them. Let's let's go to the FCC. Does FCC have a lot of discretion on how to apply the statute? They have discretion to interpret the statute. As with most regulatory agencies, they get to fill in the gaps where there are ambiguities, and certainly nobody denies that uh, the FCC can make rules and issue interpretations of what the statute says. What the FCC has forgotten over the years, though, is that they are, they're confined to those words in the statute. They can't make stuff up, and they can't interpret the statute to 
say things that it clearly does not say. And that's what the D.C. Circuit reminded them of back in March. So what is it? Let's let's try to simplify this. What is FCC making up, in your opinion? Well, the FCC decided some time ago, and they've said this, that they get to decide what an autodialer is, and they get to go beyond the language that Congress used because they need to keep up with the times and and discourage robocalls. So what did they say? What did the FCC say? Uh, Back in 2003, they said that something called a predictive dialer is an autodialer. And this is a device that doesn't make up numbers randomly or in sequence. It takes them from a database of real-world numbers and feeds them to live agents, not not robo robo voices, and ensures that an agent is available to take the call and so forth. No random sequential number generation, and yet the FCC said, oh, forget about that language in the ATDS or the auto dialer definition. We think that predictive dialers are bad, and we're going to say uh, that they're auto dialers. And they've said some other things uh, most recently in their 2015 order that expand the reach of the definition uh, even further. For example, they said that uh, anything that doesn't require human intervention is an auto dialer, and then they just sort of left that out there. So smartphones would qualify? Well, yes. And they also said, because the auto dialer definition in the statute does have this word capacity. It says it's a device with the capacity to store or produce telephone numbers using a random or sequential number generator. The FCC took the word capacity and ran away with it. And they said, anything that might not have the present capacity to do that, to generate numbers randomly or in sequence, but that could be modified, unspecified how much modification you need, is also an auto dialer. So you have Congress in 1991 trying to keep people from using auto dollar capacity and the commission saying, well, even if you don't use it, uh, if, if your device could be modified to use that capacity, then then it's an auto dialer, leaving uh, users and, and manufacturers of these systems completely in the dark as to, well, how much do we need to do if it could be modified by software that isn't there right now? Does it have the capacity? If we would have to add new hardware in order to do that, does it still have the capacity? So this is where the FCC stood as of 2015, and that's the interpretation that was taken to the Court of Appeals and that the Court of Appeals said uh, made no sense, according to the statute. So, Charlie, I think it's important that that we talk about the fact that um, there are legitimate reasons to use some sort of you know non-human punching in 10 numbers. Um, for example, if I've just had a series of medical tests done, uh, I want to know the results of that as quickly as possible. And so the hospital or the lab may engage a service which uses technology that knows my number and can get that call to me quickly. And yet, as you said, because the FCC suddenly introduced this concept of, of human intervention in, they had to put a human in the loop. And of course, at that point, it's possible to misdial my number and I don't get my results. And so there's some, there's some beneficial reasons to use advanced calling technologies that unfortunately, because of the way the FCC interpreted this, 
the industry was you know couldn't use or I mean some of the examples of, of having people come in uh, as, a, as a customer service rep and sit and just click a hundred mouses clicks in order to put that human in the loop is, is just is, is sort of ludicrous but yet that's where we were until the DC you know circuit finally struck them down but the other thing I think it's important is the fact that this that an entire cottage industry of plaintiff's lawyers sort of came up because uh, as part of the TCPA, as, as part of the TCPA, um, there is the ability, there are statutory damages and the ability to sue anybody who uses any of these devices. And so there literally are people trying to put together class actions um, all the time to try and, and catch, you know, the unawares people using these these types of, of systems to try and prove that, in fact, there wasn't a sufficient human in the loop. And so the entire industry has been sort of a, you know, a quandary for the last few years. Yes, and without efficient dialing, there are lots of things that callers can't do that people want them to do. Think about, for example, when there's a data breach, a data security breach at a financial institution or a retailer, and they're required by law to notify all the affected people that, look, your your credit card may have been compromised. You need to do the following things. And if they can send those messages to maybe hundreds of thousands of people by SMS, for example, text messaging, that's a way to get the word to them quickly. But these institutions have found that if they can't automate the dialing, they just can't do it. It's cost prohibitive. All right. We have a technology that can be used both for good and evil. That sounds pretty familiar. What are the solutions that you guys suggest? Because Tech Freedom has filed in this FCC proceeding. So um, I'm sure both of you had some ideas on how to fix the problem. Well, we think the commission should return to the language of the statute. Uh, as uh, now Chairman Ajit Ajit Pai said, when this 2015 order came out, Congress identified a problem in 1991. They singled out the auto dialer that uses random or sequential numbers, and they said, you have to limit your use of these. And as now Chairman Pai said, the industry's fixed it now. The technology has been developed so that we can dial real-world numbers in a way that minimizes errors and so forth. And if that's the case, then we should be pleased. And there's no reason for the FCC to, uh, to uh, try to outlaw technologies that represent the solution, uh, such as predictive dollars. And again, what's important here is you've got a statute with extremely specific terms that, that are used, random or sequential number generation. I mean, that's a very technical term of art. It's not like Congress used vague language and then said, okay, FCC, you go figure this out. You know, Congress had very specific language of what it would, what it, what it wanted to outlaw. And, and so for the FCC to say, well, but we think it would essentially the FCC is saying, we think it would be better if Congress had written the statute this way with, with broader language. And that's just, that's just not what agencies should be doing when you've got some very specific um, statutory language that, that you should be bound by. All right. So any other things in our filing that you want our listeners to know about without reading the long legal um, paper that we hardly worked on? So I, I think the thing that's important is that what the FCC is dealing with in this proceeding is a very narrow part of the overall um, 
issue of consumer protection. Um, we've got the do not call list. We've got the FTC that on, on a monthly basis is going after uh, the scammers. Um, so really, if you think back to the problem that Congress was facing in 1991, we're in a whole lot better place today than we were. Yeah. Are there still scammers out there? Yes. But they're sort of being brought to justice. Um, and so uh, you know, we're well on the way to solving this problem. And the FTC just has to sort of stay within the guardrails that, that Congress gave them. Uh, gentlemen, what is your opinion on the reasoning that FCC had to even start this proceeding? Did they just, did Ajit Pai and his fellow commissioners just decide that this was something on their priority list? Did they get too many robocalls? Did, do they like their robocalls? What's, what's happening here? Well, well, the FCC's proceeding that, that uh, we filed comments in is a direct result of, of the court decision in the ACA decision in which the court said the 2015 interpretation is clearly wrong, uh, does not comport with statutory language, and remanded it back to the FCC and said, FCC, you've got to fix this. So the FCC's sort of hand is forced here. They have to do something. And so they've threw it back out for comment and said, okay, what should the definition be? And commenters came in, I would say probably six to one in favor of, of a more narrowly tailored um, definition that, that really sticks to the statutory language. Interestingly, there were, there were several sets of commenters um, that came in and said, well, no, actually, FCC, you got it right in 2015, so just readopt that same language. But of course, the FCC can't do that because even though the D.C. Circuit didn't say this is the definition of an auto dialer, it said your 2000 definition was does, too broad. It was too broad. It does not comport with the statute. So the FCC can't just re, you know, can't double down and readopt that same definition. Who sidetracking? Who would be interested? What groups would be interested in keeping the old definition? I, I think it would be. Uh, Consumer advocacy groups who don't like robocalls. Who at don't, all? At all, yes. Um, but don't they understand the, all the important things you just explained to us, like the bank calling uh, people whose information has been compromised or doctor's office, my dentist who calls me all the time? I think it's a matter of them probably not thinking that through and, and also concluding that there are so many bad calls that use the, use this technology versus the few good calls that will will go ahead and sacrifice the good calls for the bad, which I think is a really ridiculous approach. So they see a black and white world and you guys are suggesting we, well, I don't want to call it gray, but we see things in a little bit of a pink undertone. All right. So moving forward, uh, any other case law that you think is important for us to know and FCC will take into consideration as we make this decision? Well, the courts, ever since the ACA decision came out, they've been faced with this question. There's, there's this is huge, it's been called tsunami of class action litigation. Um, a lot of them based on purely inadvertent violations, by the way, and also based on this overbroad definition of an autodialer. And those cases, many of them have been pending while the ACA decision came down. And the courts have been, of course, the, the courts have been aware of this D.C. Circuit decision. And, and the question before them is, well, what does that mean for us? Here we have a complaint. It's based on the FCC's 2015 definition of an auto dialer. 
Uh, the defendant comes in and says, well, you should throw this case out now because of what the D.C. Circuit said. And in, in some cases, that has happened. We have had cases from uh, uh, two circuit courts that have said, well, we are not bound by that 2015 decision of the FCC. And now we're going to decide based on what the statute says. And lo and behold, you know, it says what it says. Uh, random or sequential uh, number generation. But a lot is up in the air. And the reason that Tech Freedom participated in this proceeding, why other people need to be aware of it, is that the FCC has been sent back to the drawing board. The D.C. Circuit did not exactly say what an autodialer is. That really wasn't their job. Their job was to say, FCC, you did a bad job. What you said does not make sense and doesn't comport with the statute. Go back to the drawing board and fix it. That process has begun. The FCC put out a public notice. They didn't exactly propose new rules or tip their hand as to how they were going to address the issue, but the process has started. And it could go on for a while. This could just be the first step in the proceeding. But they know they're under a mandate from, from the Court of Appeals, and finally, finally, the process is underway. All right. So to wrap up, any final thoughts you want our listeners to take away from this episode? Well, I think it's, an, again, important to know that we have multiple ways to protect ourselves um, from, from robocalls. And then the problem really has been mostly solved. And I think the commission ultimately, based on what Ajit Pai said in his dissent in 2015, I think they're headed on the right path. And I think we'll get a much more um, palatable uh, definition and I think it's going to be sooner rather than later. I don't think the commission is going to sit on this one too long. I, I hope we have a, um, a decision before the end of the year. Charlie? Uh, just as a final word, nobody here likes robocalls. And if there's a message we want you to take away, it is that we're as annoyed as anybody listening to this podcast is by those calls that come in at dinner with the artificial and pre-recorded voice offering some scam. And the mechanisms are in place at the FTC and the FCC to deal with that. And we don't need to rewrite the TCPA or, or distort it to accomplish that. And before we sign off, uh, let's start a new tradition uh, in our podcast when we have people from Tech Freedom on the podcast. Why don't each of you say your one favorite thing about Baron Zoka, our fearless leader? Well, for me, of course, it's that he's an inveterate punster, as am I. And yes, we, we, we usually get Ash to cry about five minutes into a discussion or throw up our <laughs> hands just, and leave the room. I just get into an embryo pose and I just kind of just go back and forth until I stop hearing those puns. Charlie? Funny Jim said that because I was going to say my least favorite thing are the puns. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you and me are on the same page for that. I'll, I'll take that as an answer. <laughs> All right. But well, all the other things are very, very good. Gentlemen, it was a pleasure having you on the podcast, and we hope you'll come on more, especially you, Charlie. I know it's a trip for you to come, but you're one of our favorite members of the Tech Freedom family. Well, thank you. Thank you. You can listen to us on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, and every other major platform. Please uh, leave us a review on iTunes so others can find a show. Please follow Tech Freedom on Facebook and Twitter at Tech Freedom. Thank you for listening. Tech Policy Podcast is produced and distributed by Tech Freedom, a nonpartisan nonprofit think tank in Washington, D.C. To learn more about our work, make a tax deductible donation, or find other episodes, find us online at techfreedom.org. <laughs>